This is Raynor's podcast, The Creative Mindset. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Creative Mindset, a podcast about what the future holds at the intersection of creativity, technology, work, and life. I am Ray Namoto, the founding partner of IONCO, a global innovation firm based in New York and Tokyo. Today's episode is part one of my conversation with PJ Carlos, a best selling author originally from Brazil, based in New York. He's been publishing books since around 2010 in his native country. His books are novels based on various types of mythology. His latest book, called The Girl from Udan, is being published this fall. It's also his first book in English. Here's a brief description. From Emmy winner Brazilian best selling author PJ Carlos comes a story about immortality, martial arts, and AI that will make you change the way you look at life, science, and the crazy times we are living in. My name is Tigress, and I am immortal. This is my story. The reason why I wanted to talk to PJ was because he's been actively experimenting with AI for creative activities such as writing and producing imagery. Recently, he's been using AI to produce his book cover, promotional videos, and other merchandise. I wanted to get the story and the insights behind his process. Before we get into a conversation, a side note about PJ and I. We also go back a long time to 2006 when we were creative partners at an agency in San Francisco. Subsequently, he started his own company, and we'll get more into that in the next episode. So, here's part one. Let's get started.、Uh, you know, we've been working in the same industry、um, and you know, we've had a long time relationship. But today, I'm actually excited to interview you for the first time as PJ Carlos, author. And not just a,、uh, any author, but best selling author, particularly in your home country in Brazil. Tell us a little bit about your upcoming book, The Girl from Udan. So, This is a story that I've been working on for almost 10 years now. And I, I, I the different facets of my life are part of the, I, I, you know, I have my job in advertising, I have my hobby that became a job, a second job in, in writing, but also I always kind of did martial arts as well. So one day, I, I, a story, two different stories started to, to, Happened in my head. One,、uh, one story was about Kung Fu. That's how I started in martial arts and, and how Chinese martial arts is very inspired by animals and, and learning from animals. And I felt like, yeah, there's something very cool about how they're all individual animals, but there's nothing、uh, about the, the animals that operate in packs or in hives like, or in large groups like. Ants and bees, and I'm always fascinated by, by those, those groups. Like,、yeah, I want to write a story about that. I decided to, to think about how it would be a kung fu style based on bees and ants. That was like one part of my head, and, but I couldn't figure that out. There was another part of, of my head thinking about、um, how、uh, machines and, and brains could connect, you know, what happens if. If artificial intelligence starts to develop too fast, and how, we, how could we、um, overcome that and balance that out? Because technology is in, in, in the AI brain, because a, the AI brain can be considered the brain in one machine or the combination of all the machines that operate in that AI. So it's, AI is more scalable than our brains. So, in theory, 
it can be at eventually it's going to get smarter than us. And the only way that we may have to over to to outsmart the these growing AI is if we found a way to to um, scale our brains as well. So I started to do research for like now what kind of story could be there. And then I found this researcher that was doing uh, there was a guy that that is at Google actually, and he's doing some research based on all the researchers, and it's one of those academic things that that grow um, very fast. But the the thought was that what if we put a um, a layer of of fake neurons around your brain, right, and then put the same thing around someone else's brain, and then start to connect the outer the outside of your brain with the outside of my brain and we and our brain start to operate as one and we do some training and, and we can and feel like oh that's fascinating that could be a way for for brains to to for the human race to to gain scalability so in the process of writing and publishing this book and you know you've been fairly active especially uh, on like your on your Instagram and other places, you've been publishing uh, particularly like the artwork of the characters and then the tra- you know the trailers of uh, of the book. Um, so, are you? How much of that is an experimentation versus? Uh, I guess maybe there isn't a clear line between experiment and the real thing. Maybe because the experiment is the real thing. Yeah, but uh, again, just for the for the sake of our listeners, tell us about the 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 areas in which you are actively using AI to produce? I, I have made a commitment to myself that I would use, because the book is partially about AI, that I was going to use AI on everything except for the book itself. You know, for the writing, the book itself, the story itself is 100% mine with, with a little asterisk that I can, I can get into later. But the but all the promotion of the book, I was going to do as much as possible with AI, pushing the limits and seeing whatever is the last thing that AI is doing, I'm going to use it. I'm going to try to turn that into an experiment. So it's from a personal standpoint, the 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 the, the promotion of the book becomes a lab for myself. is a is a laboratory that allows me to understand the 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 possibilities of telling stories with AI, right? So uh, it started with like the, the first, I did a lot of research to see if I could find anything, but apparently the first uh, book trailer produced with generative AI was the, the thing that I did first. And I didn't do it by myself. I, I actually hired AI animators to work with me because it was, um, it's, it was the, the interface for these things still too complicated. To do so, I kind of worked with them and understood the process, but and I worked with animators to, to get them done. And I'm I'm starting to be a little bit more comfortable doing some of those things myself. But I want because I want to push the limit. I'm bringing specialists to work on it. But even like music, when when I did the first the first trailer, there there was no music generating generated in in AI. So and there were no tools completely doing it. Now there are some like. Two months later, there were two, three months later, there are some, some tools, they're creating music from scratch based on a prompt. But at that point, there wasn't. But I still talked to musicians, friend, they were, they're friends of mine, and say, hey, how about we try something? And they found this one 
app that would create a musical a, a series of notes that just a, a core melody that we could we could use and they use that as use AI to compose the core phrase of the music and then they compose everything around that phrase so as much as I can I'm using pushing the limit so the next trailers so on 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 Monday I'm shooting a, a new sequence because one of the new developments is that there are incredible technologies right now that take video footage and turn that into animation is like the coolest thing that is happening right now most of, of those tools are still in alpha test but I have access to them so I'm shooting um, a, a, a few kung fu choreographies in China on a green screen and I'm going to run that through a um, an AI machine with an AI animator that is working with me in Europe and then I'm going to, to do all the music here through AI here in the US and I'm going to turn it into a series of trailers and I have like five or six lined up already and it's, it's, it's going to look pretty cool. The, the tasks that we have done, they look amazing and it's, it's not that, that, that we, we have planned, it's that the tech, every time a technology evolves, it gives you new ideas of oh I can do that for to, to distribute. So I'm I'm trying to use the, the development of the technology as as a way to generate new ideas to promote the book. But the most fascinating thing for me, and that was a big aha for my other parts of my life for the advertising world and everything, is how um, this I'm treating almost this as a prototype for a, a bigger idea that I think is is that this is opening space for smaller players to compete against bigger players. So in my my delusional mind, I'm like, now if I, I think about this, what if I could promote this book as if I were promoting the next Star Wars? You know, so what? How can I just create that level of excitement? It doesn't need to be with the same level with millions of people like AI, like like Star Wars does. But if I could get a smaller group of people to create that level of anticipation, there's something big coming. How can I use AI to elevate the, the, the volume and the production value and the feeling that this is going to be big so I can compete with big blockbuster Hollywood? And it seems to be happening. And when I see the reactions that the audience is having, it feels like, oh, this is a big deal. They're treating that as a big story. I mean... Hopefully they're gonna like the, the the book as well, and 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 you know that's that we're gonna see that in October. But it's I think it's possible that through AI we reach a revolution in terms of how people how we give big storytelling opportunities for smaller players in every industry. So then you are directing. You're using AI to come up with essentially art direction, right? Yeah. And then you're using that to apply the art direction to the green screen footage that, that of uh, a martial artist that you've shot. And then you're then giving that to an animator to apply the art direction to the, the, the video that you've shot. Now, is the animator also using AI to essentially apply that to the footage automatically or is he or are they doing a lot of manual labor to to do that like what, what's the balance yeah right so this animator 
is basically studying the forefront of these these techniques and the possibilities to make them to know how to make them look right. And he does that to me. There's a a, a trick though, and it's not not a, really a trick, but it's almost a, a a realization that comes to it that is I think is important. That is is is, is a metaphor that that kind of kind of happened. I realized that as we were doing this, and and it was a, an important aha for more. And it's it's I think it, it's going to help a lot of people that are trying to understand these new technologies. There's this. You have used Photoshop your entire life, right? So, you know, Photoshop is a is a very reliable tool because if you know how to use it, you tell it what you want and it will do it, right? So think of 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 Photoshop as a bicycle, right? It does what it needs to do. It runs faster than you can go. It can go faster than what you can go by, go by yourself. It can do things that you can't do by yourself, but still, it's your 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 legs are pedaling and, and it does but it will do everything you do. Doing that same work with AI is like going from a bicycle to a horse. Right? That you have way more power between your legs, but the horse is going to make some decisions by itself. You have to learn to communicate with the beast to get the most to have to be more in control. If you don't communicate with the beast, the amount of control that the beast will have is going to be higher than yours, right? If you don't know how to ride the horse, like I don't, the horse is going to do whatever he wants. I'm just there like going with it. If you're really good at riding horses and if you and the horse have a good relationship, you can do, the horse operates almost like a bike in terms of a tool, but you know, but there's an emotional connection and, and, the, and, and the, the two of you work in tandem. I think the way I look at AI from a creative standpoint today is that it's a horse that you're operating. That depending on your communication with it, it's going to feel more like a tool or more like a partnership. But if you don't, you're just mounting on the horse and letting the horse do the work job and it's, it's mostly the, the job's work, not yours. But I'm trying to, I'm using this process to try to to develop a way and to understand how humans can collaborate with AI in a way that we have more control. Um, are, you, are you using tools like ChatGPT to actually create the narrative of the trailer? Or is it you and the um, animation technique that you keep going back and forth? And is it you thinking of the script for the trailer itself? It's the, the the script and the voiceover and everything is still me. I try to play with with, uh, with ChatGPT to get there. I didn't like the the results, so the writing is still is still mine. So why is that? So I guess you you as a writer, you felt the limitation and you weren't quite satisfied with the quality of the story. If I if I'm interpreting uh, what you're saying, so tell us a little bit about why 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 not you ChatGPT to actually write the story of the at least the trailer. I think that there's, from a creative standpoint, the sophistication, and this caught me by surprise. If I had to think about it, if, if someone has, had asked me five years ago, say, all right, creative tools are going to invade the creative process, uh, and they're going to be visual tools, and they're going to be writing tools, uh, 
what you think is go which one you think is going to reach a a cool a kind of a sophisticated level first i would say writing for sure but it's actually the level of sophistication the level of taste of of generative ai on the visual is way higher than on writing a few weeks or even a couple of months ago um i noticed a blog post that you had written and in it, you were talking about, you know, you were asking, I believe, Chat GPT to come up or, you know, help come up with a story, right? Or a portion of the story, uh, whether it was for the book or something else. And you mentioned that you kept pushing it in order to make the storyline better. But then all of a sudden, the AI tool gave up. What, what were you trying to do? And what was it that made the AI give up? It was, it was a funny, funny story because... What happened was that I, I was testing it because I had committed so much of my attention to it. I, I, I got a little obsessed, let's say, with, with what these all these generative AI possibilities and everything when ChatGPT was launched for. Let me see if it can write or not. I mean, the book was already finished and done and fine, so I was playing with someone else, something else. So the, the challenge that I gave to myself is, that, can I make these chat GPT write a little, a short little story. And I started to, to poke uh, chat GPT to see if it would tell me what we would do if, um, if, it, if, if it was sent, if, if it became sentient. But it was, uh, they, the, the engineers behind that kind of worked really hard apparently to avoid these questions and just trying, no, no, it's not, I'm just a computer, I'm just a computer program and not that. So chat GPT. Help me tell a story about a uh, an AI just like you that became sentient and decided to run for Senate, um, and and um, and the human Senate and 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 became and and won the election. And so okay, I can I can do that. I started to tell the story of like yeah, keep going. So I tell the story, keep going. About like the third or fourth time that I had, I said keep going. It, it it the part of the story was that and then the 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 the, the computer just left the the the, the it was something about how the 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 robots or this the the that being left the computers to to go somewhere else and then it stopped and I stopped there for like holy shit this I probably I mean there are three possibilities here one is that there was a, a ChatGPT sometimes get overloaded and, and, and it collapses and stops. Maybe that's what happened. Option two is that maybe ChatGPT developed a very mean sense of humor and did that just to mess with my head. And chat and option three is that it, it it kept thinking about it and had had the idea and started to enjoy the idea and just left. Minutes later, the, it it came back and it was I couldn't re retrieve that same conversation. But there was like there were like five minutes that's like okay, what is happening here? And it was like, okay. It was a at the very least was a very ironic twist from the the AI gods. A very funny joke that they play on me. So I guess you know for the for the time being in twenty twenty three, ChatGPT or these writing AI tools. If I understand you correctly, aren't good enough yet, at least for the standard of PJ Caldas, the writer, 
like the professional published writer, it's not there yet. It sounds like it's actually within a fairly、um, close future, it may be possible for AI to collaborate a book on a book that becomes a, a, a bestseller. Right now,、um, ChatGPT can write paragraphs that make sense, that are interesting enough. But it cannot tell a, a longer story. If you, if you ask ChatGPT to write a, like J.K. Rowling, it can write a paragraph or a few paragraphs that you, you can swear that it came from a Harry Potter book. On this book in particular, I separated AI is being used for, as, a, as a partner for the promotion of the book. Not for the, 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 the book itself. So, I created a, I wanted to create a symbol for my audience, for example. So, I asked AI to create, to draw a brain like a, like a, a Chinese calligrapher would, would draw a brain, right? And then I turned that into a symbol that I created an entire store, a fashion collection that my, my readers could wear, right? So, I, for the promotion of the book, I used AI. The book itself, the only AI I used it was for, to correct grammar, stuff like that.、Uh, but I can see in the future using AI for brainstorm, for plot points, and things. And there's a, a story that I'm working on that I've been playing with AI to see if AI gives me any good ideas. But it's a, I use it the same way that I, use, that I read other authors' books to get idea and inspiration. It's for inspiration,、uh, brainstorm. Rather than actually doing the writing, you became interested in AI before all this trendy topic of you know, ChatGPT and Midjourney and DALI. And you know, in the past, I, I feel like in the past 18 to 24 months or so, but you started doing research before that, correct? Yeah, it was, it was like almost 10 years ago. It's interesting. Six months ago, they were like, wow, those are amazing. But now, You see somebody's post and it looks like, oh, this was created by AI. And it just becomes kind of the same. Yeah, art, paintings, and drawings, the, these you know, really beautiful art, artistic paintings and drawings, portraits and landscapes that are being created、uh, using、um, uh, Meet Journey, you know, Meet Journey, Dali, other tools. Six months ago, it was new and fresh and amazing. And six months later, you know, like hundreds of my friends are. Doing these experiment, experiments on Midjourney and posting those images that look, hey, amazing, but like it's already getting tired, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, I think it's, it's, the revenge of, it's the revenge of the human race because we, the AI is so good at identifying patterns that it found a pattern and now we can see the pattern back to them and it's like we are abandoning it. So, what we call the AI today, Is basically machine learning. That is a new kind of computing, right? So, machine learning, instead of going through computing that follows instructions, you create is a computing that understands patterns and, and learns from those patterns, right? So, you, you explain something, you give data, and it, it, it gets a, patterns out of it and, and gets a conclusions and then starts to operate on it. But In a certain way, that's not very different from anything in art, right? The world creates a pattern and everyone starts to copy that. And every,、uh, it's like two or three artists create a, a style, then too many people start to use it and it becomes so,、uh, 
usual that it, be, it loses its value. So those three artists create something new, and they, I think that the the pattern, the 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 way that art art struggles with patterns on its own patterns, it creates things that become popular so it can benefit, it can make money, it can sell, but then eventually it loses value and you have to create something new. I think that it just, AI is going to accelerate this. You know, if there was a 25-year-old writer, you know, who's writing his first novel or first book, what advice would you have for them? There are multiple ways of making it yours, but you have to, to make the effort. Just writing a prompt and doing it, you're just asking AI, lazily asking AI to to get something, to do something for you. And that's when you're going to get to that pattern that it doesn't feel fresh. It doesn't, it feels repetitive and tired already right out of the gate. Don't try to write with it. Use it as, as a partner to bounce ideas from and to get some stuff, but just still own it and make it yours. Don't, don't get lazy and let it write for you. I could tell that the, the, the AI was creating thing based on what I was asking, and I wanted it to be mine. And the, and the process of doing it and playing and struggling, they finally found it, okay, now I can see my own expression in here. It took a while, and it was very intentional, but they found it. So I think that um, once you look at AI and feel like, I'm going to take something mine out of this. You can't get there, but it won't give you that if, unless, you, unless you really work. So you can use AI to, to, the, to help you, give you the pattern. And then now that you have the pattern, you can mess with it. I use patterns, I use story stru structures all the time. Knowing what the, the, the audience expects is great for me as an author because I know what they, they should be hope or, or waiting for. So then it's my decision to pick which ones I'm going to, which parts of the pattern I'm going to follow, which part, parts of the pattern I'm going to completely break to shake them up and get people confused. And which parts I'm going to make, make it look like I'm following, but I'm not. And I'm going to trick them because it's like a magician. You make, you use their expectation against them and you do that. And that's how you actually have great storytelling is when you play with people's expectations and knowing the patterns is not a bad thing. It's, bad, it's a bad thing if you, if you blindly follow them. But if you decide which parts you're going to follow, which parts you're going to deny for shock, and which parts you're going to pretend that you're following but you're not, you have incredible stories. This was part one of my conversation with PJ Caldas, an Emmy-winning and best-selling author and about his upcoming book, The Girl from Udon. PJ has been interested in and researching about AI over 10 years. There's a lot of talk recently about AI stealing people's jobs, specifically writers' jobs. So coming into this conversation, I thought that PJ would say that moving forward, tools like ChatGPT and other tools would easily steal writers and creators' jobs. 
On the contrary, his points that he made were to prove that there is room for humans and human creativity. From this part of my conversation, there were three things that stood out. The first one was today's AI is like a horse, but not a motorcycle yet. Two, storytelling is about playing with the audience's expectations and emotions. And three, machines are good at generating ideas, but humans are better at judging them. The first one, today's AI is like a horse, but not a motorcycle. Those of you who may have played with things like ChatGPT or even other more advanced tools like Midjourney and Dali, you would know that every time you put a prompt into whatever the input box of that particular tool, the output that you get is somewhat unpredictable. And it's based on a sequence and the, the repeated times that you enter those prompts into that chat box, the output becomes a little bit more consistent and perhaps a little bit more predictable. And he compared that process to riding a horse in that you have to have a certain amount of skill and certain amount of practice to be able to get the horse to react to your actions in a way that you want the horse to do. Motorcycle, on the other hand, because it's a piece of machinery, whether you press the pedal or um, you throttle, the speed at which you move forward. Sometimes if you're not used to it, you know, if you're not careful, you might put too much pressure on and the motorcycle might react in ways that you might not have expected. But because it is a piece of machinery, the output that you, you get is exactly based on the input that you give. So that's the difference between a horse, a living thing versus a bike, a motorcycle, which is a machine. And the, the, the state of AI today is a little bit like that. And I thought his metaphor was something that can only come from a novelist, you know, somebody who's used to writing and who's used to using metaphors to describe scenes and situations. Key takeaway number two, storytelling is about playing with the audience's expectations and emotions. If you are giving a piece of information to whatever audience, you're supposed to be providing facts and you structure your narrative in, in a way that is easy to understand. Whereas when you are creating a story, you have to think about the rhythm of the points that you are trying to make and based on the sequence, you play with how the audience expects the outcome and how the, the audience feels about the pieces of information that you are giving to them. And the more skilled storytellers, they know how to play with the expectation the audience might have and changes perspectives or even betrays that expectation in order to create a greater uh, emotional reaction. Storytelling is about playing with the audience expectations and emotions this point um i i think i knew about this in the back of my mind but having pj crystallize it this way was a very useful reminder 
Key takeaway number three, machines are good at generating ideas, but humans are better at judging them. Before I spoke to PJ, I thought he was actively using generative AI to write the content of the novel that he's been working on. However, what he told us was that he tried doing that, but as a professional, as an experienced writer, he wasn't satisfied with the responses that he was getting from ChatGPT and other writing tools that he had used. So instead of using, he, he said that he used in small doses, small parts of, the, uh, of generating ideas for the story, but in the end, the story itself, the writing itself for the book uh, comes from him. However, what was interesting was that he's now actively using machines, AI, to generate the content for the promotional materials, but he's the one deciding which one is good and which ones to use. And for the time being, he believes that humans are better at judging those outputs from AI as opposed to AI deciding what's good and what's not good. That might change in the near future, the time will only tell, but for the time being, I think humans are relatively safe making the decision based on the outputs from machines. Part two of this conversation gets more into his day job as a founder and the creative chairman of his own company, Pereira Odell, and the impact of AI he's seeing on his work. As I mentioned at the beginning, I've known PJ from 2005 or 2006. He's Brazilian, I'm Japanese. We come from two different corners of the world, quite literally, and we have very different personalities and temperament. He's, not to stereotype his Brazilian background, he's passionate, he's emotional, he's loud, and he's funny. I'm probably a little bit more reserved, a little quieter, but we were like the yin and yang. We've stayed friends for over 10 years now. As a personal friend for a long time, I don't really get to have a conversation about our day job that often anymore. It was really a great opportunity to talk to my friend PJ about his day job as well as his passion and what it is that he's doing to think about not only his own future, but his family, his company, and the future uh, in general. So stay tuned. I'm Ray Namoto, and this is The Creative Mindset. See you next time.